spend a lot of time together. Uh, we talk ball a lot. Uh, he's an unbelievable player. I'm lucky to play with him. I just appreciate him so much, all the guys on our team. But that was fun on that last drive to kind of, you know, get back to feeding him. They're doing a great job the whole game, doubling him in a bunch of instances. And uh, kind of got, got in my head, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to my guy here. Uh, I don't really care what they play. Just try to get the ball to him. And he made unbelievable plays. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Rolling on. Hour two of the Super Bowl recap show. I was going to say, if you missed it, Rams won. 23-20. Under hits on that exact three-point margin oh. that uh, Willie talked about yesterday as a juicy prop. Mm. I, have we heard from the boys? Have they come up from here? Because they didn't want that. John and uh, Jay. I think they did okay. Oh, I'm sure they did okay. Like we said, like we said, said a little while said, ago. They, this is one thing that they did yeah. say. Well, they said, they, wasn't it that if, if it lands on three... It would be a little no 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 no. It was a different prop that he mentioned that it would. They didn't well, there want was that MVP, to happen. Early. There was an MVP for Evan McPherson that was two hundred to one at one point, eighty to one, and some folks had dropped big money on it in Colorado yeah. with Superbook. Yeah, but I know they didn't want the three, but whatever. They, they, it's not like they're hurting. <laughs> so before our show yesterday, we were on from ten to noon with the Sunday football preview show at the Westgate. Yeah. I had a gentleman walk up to me because I was looking for the packet of prop bets, and the guy was asking me, he's like, where are the props for the national anthem? Where's the Snoop Dogg props? And I was like, well, you might want to ask him at the counter, but we really can't do that here in Nevada. That said, the national anthem prop is always a favorite, whether you can bet it or not. And I, I have to look at the final total, but it was around 139, 140 for the over-under on the national anthem. And... Mickey Guyton is around 119 into the song. This is the Super Bowl National Anthem. The total is another 20 seconds, right? And this is her closing it out. As soon as it got to 119, because it was going it was going fast. As soon as it got to 119, I looked down. I'm like, oh, boy, this is all going to come down to the, to the brave at the end. I thought that was a great national anthem. She nailed it. Ari just cringed. What's the problem? You just don't like the national anthem or you don't like her version? I wasn't a fan of that little run where she totally missed the note, but play it again? No. Let's hear your ear. You think she missed the note on that? Yeah, a little bit. A little flat there. Let me hear you hit it. No, that's not what the challenge is. He is an expert DJ sound person. I'm a producer, not a DJ, and I know vocals, and that's you know that's cool though. The energy's there. No, that's cool though. There's a lot of noise going on again. again. I want to hear the missed note. It happens all the time. By the way, this is not the beginning. Yeah. 
You didn't like that? Just I, before the free. Yeah. You really want to be hypercritical I think, here. I think it's. I That's think he's not talking about free because she comes in and says just before free. It's the. It's on the. It sounds like she hits a little bit wow, of a down pitch. Hardcore. It, I, I turned it up here. Okay. Yeah. The reason being because the anthem, I, you have to hear the anthem all the time, all the time. So you, don't like, the, so you don't like the anthem? I'm not a fan of it, so I'm saying like... The song or just what it represents? The, the song. I'm not a fan of what it represents, but that has nothing to do with it. I'm not a fan of the song. Well, the point from is a musical it, rep- standpoint, it represents something for everyone. From a musical standpoint. Yeah. However, since I have to hear it all the time, we all do, I would like these artists to, to nail it if possible, especially at the Super Bowl. Wow. Now, this isn't even a VGK game, which I've heard people sometimes butcher it, too. This is the Super Bowl. So cool. uh, you don't like cool. Golden Pipes, either? No, he's great. I'm just saying I've heard people do it. It's, it's uh, I've heard various things in town. Revels games. I've heard things I don't like, and that's okay. Damn. But the Super Bowl, you would think that there would be no exception. That what this about is, Canada? It has to be 100% perfect. If we're talking about songs, I like O Canada better, yes. I like O Canada, too. Yikes. People get mad at me. Yeah, I, you know, I get, I get a lot. I catch a ration where... It's so un-American. Oh, you're a hater. This how how is this? First of all, they're you're just grading a song, huh? I said you're grading a song. Yeah, that's it. Huh. Yeah, and and my family's from Canada. My mother huh. is here on a green card. She's she's a Canadian. I like the Filipino national anthem. Never heard it. All the all the Pacquiao fights. Oh, Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you this. Can we expound on this national anthem talk right now? Well, we can. One more sound bite here. This is where okay, it goes go. over. Yeah. The brave over under was six and a half seconds. That was awesome. Was that about 11? That was better. It was 12. Wow. That was strong. 12 second brave. Over under six and a half. Hmm. That got it. To Ching. All right. Expound away. So we brought this up with Terrell. Um, the Black National Anthem. I got no problem with that. Um, I had actually never been in a at a sporting event and that they sang it. I have been. They, um, they had it live at least once last year. For UNLV games, but a lot of the games weren't televised and there was zero crowd. Remember the COVID, yeah. it was an empty yeah. arena. Um, the video they would play was awesome every time they played it. They had one live version. So I brought up Athletes Unlimited, and for five weeks they're here in Vegas, and it's it's um, it's a women's sports organization. They have pro lacrosse, pro volleyball, pro softball. So at these basketball games, 44 women, they redraft the teams, four teams. Before each game... They do the introductions of the entire roster and then the starters. And they say, everybody, please focus your attention to the le- to the video board. And then they show this thing, tri- a tribute to women. No national anthem. None. But Saturday, every Saturday they do a different tribute. Saturday they did Black History Unlimited, saying it should be, you know, celebrated all year, not just February. And they did the Black National Anthem before both games. It was the first time I'd seen it, heard it. Good deal. We're very much in anthems. Yeah. I am. I am. Sometimes they might be a little flat for Ari. Ari's got some stuff on the halftime show. Oh, boy. I don't think you like that too much either. Uh, I mentioned Golden Pipes earlier. Before you go to the game on Wednesday against the Avalanche, you can hang out with Cofield and company at Tom's Urban right there in the uh, front side of New York, New York, facing the strip. Great sports bar. Excellent happy hour. 
high-level food. We'll be there at 3 o'clock this Wednesday. And then at 6, if you're not going into the Fortress, you stick around. We've got a bunch of prizes. Greg Salerno from Comp is going to be there from 6 to 8, hosting what will be the first of many watch parties the rest of the season. The location is Tom's Urban, right there in New York, New York, facing the Strip. And we'll be out there in some form or fashion with the live show and the watch party after from 3 to 8. That's coming up this Wednesday. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. First full season, right after winning the national championship, by the way, he walks into the Super Bowl in a mink and Cartier glasses and wins the Super Bowl, and he'd have been Super Bowl MVP the whole thing. He hasn't won, and now the it goes from, oh, my God, is he the next Joe Montana to is he the next Dan Marino? You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, boy, the Talking Head TV shows today were awesome. That was uh, Max Kellerman, and you literally have, like, a night to celebrate making it to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. And we immediately go into what the future narratives are. And we'll hit on that one. We'll hit on that one. You know, is Joe Burrow going to go to a bunch of Super Bowls or could he be a one and done guy? And, you know, when you think about it, that is a great example that Dan Marino, beginning of his career, basically same situation as Joe Burrow. Marino never went back and had really good teams around him and played for a Hall of Fame coach, the all-time winningest coach. In the history of the league. Willie Anderson played for the Bengals. He's on the verge of making the Hall of Fame. He's an offensive line expert. And he gives us a couple minutes here to break down the game and react to his Bengals falling just short. Willie, how you doing? Doing great, guys. Thank you for having me on. So how are you feeling after watching the game? Um, exhausted. <laughs> you know, um, I can't say disappointed because the guys played a hell of a season, man. And you don't want to use words like, Disappointed because they gave these fans something they hadn't had in 30 years. They, they were so proud of these young guys. But it's exhausting uh, because, you know, to get to this point, they won a lot of close games and played their hearts out, man. And uh, just last night came up short. Yeah, where do you think they came up short in uh, you know, the most in what area? You know, I tweeted on my, Instagram, my, my Twitter account um, right at halftime. I said, hey, all Bingo fans know second half is about to be on. And then as soon as I said that, as I pushed the sim button, uh, Higgins was catching the ball over Ramsey for the big long touchdown. So usually second half, they turn it on offensively. And um, they did it somewhat, but they, they didn't have the outburst they've been having uh, for the past five, six weeks going back um, to the Kansas City Chiefs game in the regular season. Uh, starting that game, they started second half burst where they just going crazy. Um, so um, I also didn't see the usual Joe Burrow Right before halftime, score, I think about four or five games in the regular season, he, he took the offense down um, in two-minute drills and scored big touchdowns that, that kind of propelled them in the second half. So, um, second half, they, they didn't get uh, the usual outburst they had, and um, I thought they would have ran the ball better because the offensive line, one strong point the O-line does have is running the football. Aside from the obvious in Aaron Donald, what were you impressed with on the Rams' defense? Just their ability to limit the big plays. You know, the, you know, Joe's been killing teams on big play after big play. I mean, you know, we, we saw a season that when any team is crazy enough to leave Jamar Chase one-on-one, I don't care what DB is on it, he's catching that damn ball. You know what I mean? And um, 
I think um, not having a tight end game, I, I think that they, they kind of took away the middle of the field, a lot of stuff with Boyd and Higgins. But just, just limited big plays that the Rams did, and, and, I, and it started with the pass rush, obviously um, being under pressure. He, he can't sit there long and, and hold the ball and get it down the field the way he wants to. So the Rams knew that. I think uh, did, did a very good job of doing that. He's got the Willie Anderson Lineman Academy. We'll give you more details on that in a couple of minutes. Uh, five-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, 13 years in the National Football League, a uh, mountain of a man, Big Willie, 7179. Willie Anderson is with us for uh-huh. Bengal. Uh, go check him out again on Twitter. You you mentioned uh, Burrow and uh, holding the ball. Is is he going to be that way with a better offensive line, or is that something that he needs to clean up a little bit, get the ball out quicker? I think we saw guys like Ben Roethlisberger when he was young in his career, when he had a good team around him, um, held the ball for, for big plays. Those, those kind of quarterbacks are going to hold the ball in order to get the ball down the field. I mean, um, I think Aaron Rodgers holds the ball to get it down the field, but he, he has the protection. So once the protection has kind of showed up a little bit, um, I think, you know, him holding the ball won't matter as much, but you have to hold it sometimes to get those deep routes down the field that you want. Um, even though the Bengals, lately they've been doing a real good job with the short passing game all this stuff, too. But, you know, it all comes back to the running the football. I know that all the analytics say, you know, the running game is dead in the NFL. But for those kind of quarterbacks, we saw with the Rams, they need those kind of run games to, for the for the play action passes to work. And uh, um, so with Joe holding the ball, I think it's part of his game. And it's just going to be something that, something that the NFL, the Bengals have to, have to deal with and, and, and show up his, his uh, protection. So, Willie, when you're watching a game like that yesterday – Right, and in your bio, Twitter bio, only 16 sacks allowed. You have in there, right? And mm-hmm. you're you're watching this Big Willie style, right? Not yeah. allowing sacks. Do you do you talk to yourself? Do you talk to the TV? Do you do you say, hey, are you telling Joe Burrow get rid of the ball? Are you telling these linemen in your mind what to do when they're facing the likes of Floyd and Miller and Donald or? I mean, you obviously understand the game, but what do you make of the inner workings of what's taking place and you understand, well, they are going against that kind of defensive line. How do you personally watch that? Well, I watch it how I watch every game. I watch the techniques that are being used by linemen. Um, I tell my high school, college, and pro guys there are certain techniques that I believe um, that you can't use for certain guys like Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller. And, I, and once you see those things happening, it, it kind of frustrates you a little bit. But, again, um, this being off of the line, I know they give, give up a lot of sacks. But I've said also all season that they would give Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow about 15 to 17 plays where he's not touched. And usually those games, Joe makes about seven to eight great passes that put the Bengals in big-time football position. And off of the line, their strong point is running the football. So, you would you would kind of wish that they would kind of protect the line a little bit more by running the ball because they they've done it all season. I mean, the offensive line, though, Joe Mixon is a Pro Bowl running back, not because he's running through holes made by himself, but because the offensive line is giving him holes to run through. So you kind of protect the offensive line through your running game, and, and hopefully you get it from third and short. But versus Von Miller and Aaron, Aaron Donald, those guys, you know, all time great pass rushers, third and long is going to be a hell of a place to live in during the, during the game. Can that be difficult when you are dealing with guys that specialize in interior rushing as opposed to, you know, a couple of games ago they're playing the Raiders, right, in the playoffs, which especially you got Yannick Ngakwe and Max Rossi with edge rushing. You got it, you prepare, I mean, they're professionals, so they prepare for that. They know how to scout. They know how, but 
when you're doing that and you get to this point in the season, how difficult that is, is it to adjust to, or is that just something that you do week to week anyway? Well, the Rams did what all, all great teams who have great pass rushes over the years, whether it's been Lawrence Taylor, Bruce Smith, the Reggie White, the straight hands, the Peppers, any guys, they do a good job of making other guys uh, play well and make you get one-on-one matchups with these guys. So, when the, Bengals, when, when the Rams were in a four-man line, the Bengals were able to slide the center toward their protection-wise. But once they started rushing five, which they didn't want to do early on because once you rush five, you're, you're not putting your DBs in one-on-one coverage with those receivers the Bengals got. But they said the hell with it. They start rushing five and making every guy be one-on-one with that guy. And once you start doing that, you start to slide protections, not being able to work with the center. Couldn't help with Donald. They couldn't help with Von Miller. So it puts their five-man rush which all he did was add a linebacker over the center and had him rush the running back. So it made the center either pick the, pick the, pick the linebacker up or, um, and, and it made Aaron Donald get one-on-one rushes. It, it allowed Von Miller to get one-on-one rushes. So they're, they're D-line coaches. My, my, my ex-teammate Eric Henderson from the Bengals did, did a real good job of, of diagramming those blitzes and those, um, those twist games as well. Twist games really hurt him a lot during the game. Willie Anderson with us, uh, former Bengals lineman. Do you believe the Bengals are built for multiple runs to the Super Bowl? I think they are, but, you know, I hate to jinx them and say that. I, I hate when teams finally say that after the game. I know they're saying it for the fans, but right. it seems like everybody who says that never gets back there. You know, you know and uh, even though they're built for it, hell, the Chiefs are built for it. And we thought when they won the first one, you couldn't tell us they weren't going to win four in a row, you know, the, the way it looked. But things happen. Year to year, things happen, man. But I think they are built for success. And when you have – you got to first have success in the regular season to get to the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, you're going to be built to win playoff games, which the Bengals are now built to win playoff games. So once you're able to win playoff games, there's no there's no telling what happens. But when you're you're going, you know, um, four and twelve or whatever, you know, there's no hope for you then. But now they have a lot of hope right. because they're able to to build a winning team. They're going to put them in the playoffs, and they're and they're also now built to win playoff games. So you know that's part. That's the biggest. That's the, that's the biggest hurdle that the Bengals have to get over the last five years is get back to winning football, get in the playoffs, and finally get a playoff win, which they did this season. Well, one disadvantage the schedule because of where they finished will get a little bit harder. But the one big advantage they have over some of the real powers of the AFC is that Joe Burrow isn't playing with that forty or forty-five million dollars salary cap number. So they've got a window here where they've got the cheap quarterback who was awesome. No doubt, you know, and um, you know, like I said again. Not want to jinx them. They they do have that. Plus, yeah. they have a lot of uh, cap calorie money. Yep. But um, you know, Russell Wilson had the same thing. <laughs> you know, they they he only got one out of the whole thing. So the NFL is so competitive. You just never know. But like I say, they are they are built to win. I think the fans should be happy of that because the, the team is now built a winner. Got a great quarterback. You know, not uh, they put a really good defense around him, and now just just pick, picking up parts around the offense. I think they'll be built for the future to sustain. Long-term success. Willie, tell people – I'm sorry to cut you off. Tell people about your Lyman Academy. Yeah, so I started my Willie Anderson Lyman Academy about four or five years ago. Um, you know, just basically for high school linemen because I wanted to start it for high school guys and, and travel around the country putting on camps. You know, we do train pro athletes, but I aimed it at high school offensive linemen. And the last um, four or five years, we've averaged um, eight to 11 high school guys getting scholarships every year. This year nice. we had 11. Um, through our recruiting service. So we train them. We market them to coaches. And, you know, just, just building building up confidence through big guys. So I think the offensive linemen 
is the hardest skill in all of football to learn. When moms and dads go outside with their girls and boys to play football, no one goes outside to play blocking. <laughs> you know, so everyone goes outside to throw the football and catch it. No one goes outside to block it. Right. And give these guys confidence at an early age and give them the skill set at an early age um, at, with, with blocking. I think the big advantage for these high school kids, and we've been successful with doing it. And I've um, got guys in college all across the country right now, so we're very proud on that. And um, my website is being rebuilt right now, but the best way to reach me is on Instagram or Twitter. Both the same name, Big Willie, 71, 79. Nice, nice. Uh, I saw a couple of Bengals heroes at the game yesterday. One, Icky Woods, which, you know, we, we describe Icky as one of our own because he went to UNLV. And no uh, Takeo Spikes was, uh, was, was pimping the academy for you. That was a cool-looking T-shirt. I appreciate it, man. The shirt been doing really well. Um, Bengals fans been easing it up, obviously, with um, the color coordinator with it. Uh, my boy, Corey Blunt. Um, ex LA Lakers, ex UC Bearcat. Um, he actually, his company actually made it nice. out, of, out of Cincinnati for me. So we're doing, we're real good with the t-shirts, man. Got some more apparel coming, but um, I love the shirts because they're Bengals colors. And all of a sudden this year, the Bengals go real far to the last game of the season, and we're happy that the Kiel rocked it for us. What did you think of the halftime show? And what did I saw you tweet? You thought something was coming on social media. I'm not sure if it did, but what do you think of the halftime show? You know, I, I was joking around. I said, but you know, some, some people liked it, some people didn't. But, but, but for the most part, I think people loved it because you know it gave it, it gave people of uh, my age age bracket. I'm 46 years old. You know, when they told us when we was 18 years old that hip hop wouldn't last. You know, it was gonna be a fad. But now hip hop is the biggest genre of music in all the music business. So to see it being able to perform at the Super Bowl in front of that crowd on that stage made us proud because we all remember when our moms and dad told us that beat bopping stuff. It's not, going to, it's not real music. Yep. It wasn't going to last. <laughs> and, oh. and now Snoop Dogg, of all people, is an American hero. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was also going to say the NFL has told hip-hop, you know, outside of one prior show and maybe some snippets here and there, but basically hip-hop wasn't welcome around the NFL for its target audience. And I believe the target audience has actually changed for the yep. National Football League. So I thought yesterday was kind of a watershed moment that there may be a little change for a lot of people out there who are expecting a certain thing from the NFL, they're going to get something different moving forward. No doubt. You know, the NFL is always trying to be, you know, innovative and, and not be um, a slow a slow paced sport with the way baseball gets criticized a lot of times. But they, they do a good job of entertainment and they're one of the most powerful companies in all the, in all the world. You know what I mean? So they, they're going to do a good job of entertaining their fans. And I think the halftime is something that they know is really important and to have hip hop with Dre and Snoop and Kendrick and Eminem and Mary J and Snoop is a big step forward for hip-hop because, like I say, years ago we were told that genre of music would not last, but now we know it's here to stay now. And, of course, the, the, the topics that have just stormed social media since the show and into today have been, instead of marveling over the songs and the culture in that you know so many people follow, it's been Eminem kneeling it's been snoop's outfit it's been the sea walking which is realistically is it it yes it signifies one thing but it's also put into dance moves um does that take away from it it's is it is it are the, the haters trying to just bring a negative connotation to everything um as opposed to just what because i and what i've read so many stories especially with eminem that it could have been a tribute to Colin Kaepernick, but it also could have been that Tupac's absence, or maybe even Nipsey, because it was an LA theme. The great part about it, it could be all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, 
He hasn't said what it was. We can only speculate. Like you, and like, and like you said earlier, haters are going to hate, and people are not going to like everything. No, no, no one likes every Dwayne Johnson movie, but he's still a star. You know what I mean? And we, and we love the movies that we love, and, you know, it's, it's all entertainment, man, and, and people are not going to like everything about everything, and um, that's kind of the beauty part about America, that, that we all have a choice to do what we feel that we want to do, and, and, and long as I don't, I don't see anything that was derogatory towards anybody, that there, were, there weren't any uh, uh, cursing, you know, so the kids can watch it. You know, it wasn't too much provocative dancing that people, the older people may say, oh, look at the dancing. So, you know, it's all generation stuff. Like, we're, we're the first, I don't know how old you are, you guys are, but I'm 46, my son is 24. I'm 52. We're part of the first generation that we kind of all listen to the same music our kids listen to, even though it's different, different forms of rap music, but it's still rap music. So, science is changing, and you can't make everybody happy. Everyone's going to have an opinion. Some's going to hate it. Some, some's going to hate it just to be hated. And some just generally not going to like it. If you don't like it, that's cool. Don't mean you hate it if you, if you don't like it. So um, I agree on both sides. It could be either, either way what he said or what he did. His kneeling could have been anything. And, uh, you know, we're just happy that rap music got a chance. Hip-hop got a chance to be on that stage. On Twitter at Big Willie 7179 Willie Anderson, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, bros. There he is. Former Auburn lineman, Six seven, three hundred thirty pounds. Um, by the way, if people don't know, because you never mention it, uh, but you lift hard. You lift hard. Mm-hmm. Is there gun envy when you see The Rock on TV? What in what is happening with him? It was Arm Day yesterday. Had My to God! You know, I think he, it was Arm Day. I think it was Arm freaking workout. A minute before he went out there, he, he kept like putting up his arm. Yeah, I'm like. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. uh, Hulk Hogan's like, what's going on with the pythons? I, They're out of control. I, I even tweeted out, I said, it must have been arm day at Iron Paradise. That's what he calls his home gym. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. The Iron Paradise. If you watch some of his motivational videos on YouTube, they go, they, they have snippets of everything, and he'll be walking through, uh, you know, he'll be walking through the gym. He'll have heavy chains around his neck or whatever, but he'll be talking about, he'll have motivational chats or talks or speeches, whatever. Be like, it's 4 a.m. We're up early and we're going into the Iron Paradise, baby. And it's leg day. And he gets you fired up, but he's always the Iron Paradise. And today in the Iron Paradise, while your enemies are sleeping, we're getting things going. That's right. He doesn't, it's not the rock. I'm making it sound like it's the rock, but it's not. It's him. It's Dwayne Johnson in his, but he has these. And it's funny because I told you last week I've been watching some Kobe Bryant um, motivational videos and interviews. And his big thing growing up was getting up between four and five and being in the gym before everybody else. Dwayne uh, Johnson is in the gym at 4 a.m. And your co-host today, he's in the gym at 3.30. Does 50 Cent need to go to the Iron Paradise? 50 Cent could do whatever he wants because he's got more money than all of us, so he could do whatever he wants. I don't know. Wants. People were getting on him because he looked puffy. Yeah, well, he's not all shredded anymore. I got news for he's you. Just big. The people that are getting on 50 Cent for being big, they were smaller at some point also, and they're big now too. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. When I walked in, I was like, what the heck? Where is that? There's something missing from the menu. I'm extremely mad. They're demanding change. Step-by-step, students left class to rally out front. That's how we feel about it. We feel really strongly about it. We want to protest for it and bring it back. What do we want? Chocolate milk! When do we want it? Now! But officials say they hear the students loud and clearly and decided to do chocolate milk one day every other week. 
as of now, this is a really good start. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. Important stuff there, important I stuff. I didn't know they were cutting down on the chocolate milk. This health, schmelf crap. Come on, as a kid, it's like the, the one chance you get to go crazy with chocolate milk. So they got out there, they protested, and it worked. And I like the, that right there is what America needs. They got a result one day every two weeks. It's not good enough. But the young man who spoke, unlike much of the people we surround ourselves with, you know, when things change, you know, like last week with the masking mandate finally knocked down here in town, I saw more reaction that was along the lines of, should have already happened. Like, okay, but it didn't. But now you can be happy because you've wanted this, so you got what you wanted. And for that kid, he's like, hey, you know what? It's a start. Protest works. Protest works. Now, if, if you were in a school in Florida, I don't know if kids could do that. I'm not sure the protest is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So, halftime show. By the way, that was courtesy of uh, NBC TV in Sacramento. That's it. So, That's so all we're touching on. With the halftime show. Okay, let's go. Well, we can do it, and we'll never. We've we've mentioned the halftime show about 15 times let's to give our it. opinion. Half-time. So we, you make your choice. You want to do chocolate milk half-time. for five minutes, or you want to do halftime? Halftime show. Let's go. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome, and like I said, I was at a place where people were singing along. They were clapping. I love what Willie Anderson just said there. I also, like, I I think maybe I'm just projecting stuff onto the halftime show, but I thought that was a breakthrough moment. Um, I also, I think it's the NFL kind of saying to the people who have been pissing and moaning the last couple of years about different things with the NFL saying they weren't going to watch, which they're lying, they're watching, that... You know what? This is the way it is. We're gonna we're gonna draw people from all walks, yep. genders, race, ethnicity, and the sixty plus year old people, and those who want to act sixty plus. And we're talking about boomers. I'm not that far away from it, and Willie isn't either. But we're tired of hearing you tell us that if this if the NFL does this or that, I'm not watching. Then don't watch. Then don't watch. And I'll go back to the Pro Bowl from a couple of weeks ago. Whatever last week. Um. The crowd was very balanced with a lot of young people. And, man, when I looked around, and I'm guaranteeing the NFL has numbers on this, I think the NFL is trying to cater to a in terms of making money. Dude, everyone, 90% of the people at the Pro Bowl, and there weren't many 60-plus-year-olds, 90% of the people there, Willie, had a jersey, a hat, a shirt. I didn't because I'm cheap, but I know how much NFL stuff costs. You got to go to your top consumer. You know, I just don't, I don't know that people who are about 10 years older than us are out like, Hey, let me get a Jersey. Well, you didn't want your beer to spill. So I just, I I just, I don't value, I don't value jerseys like that. You know, the jerseys I buy when they're down to 20 bucks on clearance and it'll be a player from six years ago from the jets. It's not, but, but they don't care about me because I don't buy their stuff. Right. They care about that audience. That is, you know, teens all the way up until you're probably into early 50s, and that music connects with a lot of people. And it also takes you back to your childhood. I, You know, the funny thing is I heard I heard Gottlieb today talking about it, and he tried to, he and TJ Hushmanzada were, were talking about, um, you know, the show and who to appeal to, and Gottlieb was saying, you know, they really only use people, you know, once they're about 20 years into their career. I wonder, I wonder if there's going to be more and more, you know, shows based for, 
Younger musicians, because they get they get mixed in. But I wonder, you know, who the headliner is, who's going to be current or within like the last ten years. Well, let's start with the artists that were in yesterday, because a lot of people say, "Well, this takes us back to the roots." First of all, it wasn't the roots. Okay, the, the, these were not the originators of hip hop. What this was was these were artists that were in the transitional stage from the original hip hop from that was born in the Bronx in the early 70s, right, with Herc, and then into the days of Run DMC and Houdini. But in the 90s, in the early late 80s, early 90s, when gangster rap with Ice-T and then N.W.A., and Dr. Dre was with the world-class wrecking crew and Michelle before that. So transitioning into what we saw last night, that, they were the transitional. What they did was bring hip-hop to a broader scale outside of the breakdance craze of the mid-80s, late-80s with the, like I said, the Run DMC, the Houdini, the planet, uh, the uh, Freestyle, and Egyptian Lover, and stuff like that. These were people that not only brought it to African-Americans, but every other race. And, that's what, and it was a culture that, brought, that embraced the video. Here's a metaphorical scene that I don't think that too many people picked up on, and I'm, I could be guessing, but Steve, that big set that they were in, they were supposed to be renditions of, of places in L.A., right? But did you notice how bright and white they were? One thing I picked up on was here was a lot of hip-hop inside of white. Were they letting us know, hey, white America, we are here. We are in your world and our world. This is our world together. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of picked up on how yeah. that design, it was all bright white. Hip-hop, we've arrived. We're here. Letting you know. And by the way, for my comment on 60-plus-year-olds, I said, if you act like you're 60-plus, you're younger, right? This is not absolute about folks who are 60-plus thinking a certain way. Um, and the other thing I'll say that I'm always amazed by when people complain about the music. It's like you do realize it, whatever your era was, your music, people hated. So, like, you know, if you have the Rolling Stones at the Super Bowl or the Who at a Super Bowl, did you forget how people generations before you were like, this sucks. It's terrible. Back in my day, the music. It's like, have a little wider view and also just have a little memory about how the music that you liked, the generation before you probably told you, it sucks. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. He gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it, Dave Koken. You can find him on wagertalk.com. We'll see if uh, Dave had a good Super Bowl Sunday, if he enjoyed the game, what he thought about the game. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Very good. Uh, Super Bowl was uh, as good as it gets for me because I went for a middle in the game. I played Rams on the money line and Bengals plus four and a half. So a Rams win by one, two, three, or four was uh, a sweep, and I got... Uh, Rams win by three, so uh, it couldn't have been it really couldn't have been better. Well, give us the rationale why you did that. Uh, because I thought the game was going to be very close, and I didn't know who was going to win, so uh, I, I thought that was the best option, and it worked out pretty well. So, needless to say, you were playing for a result. Were you surprised by anything that 
was unveiled, you know, the way it played out in the game? Yeah, a little surprised by a couple of things. Um, but, you know, I, in the end, the officials had an impact on the game, like they always do. And it happened to go my way, so I'll take the smile on that. I, I, to me, the only real problem I had as far as the Bengals are concerned is on the critical third and one prior to the last what amounted to the last play of the game. Right. Why, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but why are you in shotgun? you got to get up under set. I don't, I, this drives me crazy yep. when teams in short yardage go shotgun all the time. I, look, I can see it in the colleges because maybe you don't have the time to practice and put the, a package in for short yardage. But in the NFL, there's no excuse. You've got to have the quarterback under center in that spot. And the way the play played out, they make the first down if they're under center because Aaron Donald was the only guy who got a hand on the running back, and he happened to take him down with that one hand. Dave Kokens with us. WagerTalk.com does our uh, DC and the Sunshine Man podcast on on Thursdays, uh, go a little deeper on the official call that benefited you. Well, the holding call. Um, I mean, it was, it's, there was holding on the play by the Bengals, but they let that stuff go the entire game. Right. Um, I think if you're going to be refereeing the game one way for 58 minutes, you don't suddenly change gears in the last two minutes because why, why are the first 58 less important? It's kind of the same problem I have with college basketball where <laughs> nothing gets reviewed in the first 58 minutes and then the last two minutes everything gets reviewed <laughs> it, it, it's, it's totally illogical yep no doubt now in terms of non-calls you also benefited because uh the 75 yard pass where Jalen Ramsey's head almost got corkscrewed off yep. I mean that's that's a penalty and it goes for a touchdown so that gets you that gets you the Bengals inside the the number you needed yeah look I mean the bottom line is you can't handicap officiating. Uh, maybe you can do it with home plate umpiring in baseball. That's about it. And even that's kind of random. So you just accept it for being what it is and hope you're on the right side of any crazy calls. We talked earlier about the MVP, and there's a lot of betting on you know the MVP of the Super Bowl, and a lot of people said, hey, it's going to be a quarterback. Don't even bet anyone else. That's stupid. Um, I thought, you know, Cop and Chase and Donald had a chance at it. Do you think Aaron Donald should have been the MVP? No, I, I thought it had to be Cup. Uh, he just made the biggest plays at the biggest moments. And the other one other thing I'll find fault with on the Bengals is the Rams were smart enough to – they basically put the ball in Cup's hands at the end of the game. Uh, why didn't the Bengals go more to Chase? He's their best player. You had to get him more involved. I think maybe I, – I does it turn out any differently? I don't know, but to me, the Rams – play calling involving your best player was better than the Bengals play calling involving their best player. Dave, so you, <clears throat> go back to a minute, uh, go back for a minute to your um, your middle. At the beginning of the game before the injury to Odell Beckham, I mean the Rams looked like they were going to put it on him. They seemed to be in control and it, it you know, Cincinnati hadn't necessarily established itself yet, but it coincidentally started to after OBG OBJ went out. When you saw what his uh, impact early, what were your thoughts? Were you thinking, oh boy, the Rams are going to put it on him? No, I, football games are 60 minutes. Uh, and if we've seen one thing in these playoffs, every game's going to the wire. 
I mean, we, I think we had six, the last six playoff games all got decided by three points. Dave Koken up on Cofield. We will tread lightly here because I know you hate betting futures, but let's just talk about future scenario. Who do you think of the two teams can make it back to a Super Bowl sooner? Is it Burrow and the Bengals or McVay and the Rams? I have no idea who's going to be back for the uh, for the Rams. Yep. Um, so, so then the answer is the Bengals. I guess. Potentially, right now on this day, you could you could change your mind in six weeks. Yeah, I'll say I'll say neither next year. Yeah, I think Buffalo is going to be the team to beat, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. they're the favorite, so you know, it's not uh, exactly going out on a limb there. It's funny. I was around a Bills fan yesterday, and this is a rare position for a Bills fan, I guess, unless you're a you know you were a Bills fan late '80s, early '90s. But that Bills fan was completely irked with the game, and he's like, "We could have beat both of these teams." I think he's right. Um, but they didn't, you know, yeah. got to beat Kansas City first, and they didn't do it. And so they got to stay home for the Super Bowl this year. But that team's loaded going into the next season. And we can't handicap injuries or what's going to take place in the offseason. But the Bills look like they'll go into the season as the, as the favorite. You have a better weekend in hockey betting or college basketball? Uh, college basketball is back and forth. The NHL, I haven't lost a game since the All-Star break. So Woo! I guess that's been pretty good. I haven't played a lot. I've only yeah, yeah. played like... I think I've only played three games, but they all won. And uh, we'll see if we can keep it going. Wagertalk.com. That's where you can find uh, Dave's stuff. We'll close on a little college basketball. I don't know if you paid to – well, you did. Uh, The Mountain West Conference this week. But I thought thought everyone would start cannibalizing each other. But, uh, man, these teams at the top, especially Wyoming, will not freaking lose. Boise – Kind of spanked. Uh, well, it wasn't a spanking. They beat up the Rebels uh, down the stretch and got by them. But yeah, all of a sudden now you got Wyoming, Boise, and Colorado State a combined thirty and six. They have to watch out for the bottom feeders, though. Wyoming's got an interesting game tomorrow in New Mexico. They're coming off all these big games, and that could be a flat spot against the Lobos. I wouldn't be shocked if New Mexico pulls an upset tomorrow. So strange things will happen down the stretch. They always do. Dave, appreciate it. We'll talk to you later in the week. All right, guys, take care. There he is, Dave Koken. WagerTalk.com. He gives no Fs. Uh, this is also a really key period in Mountain West Conference play because San Diego State had a lot of games canceled. Now they're getting that that schedule scrunch like yeah. the Rebels did, mm-hmm. and hopefully you stay healthy. But Matt Bradley over the weekend, their best player, turned an ankle. They're in the midst of six games in 17 days. And, oh, believe me, we've heard about it because Brian Dutcher, the Aztecs coach, has been whining left and right like, bruh. This is what happened to everyone else. If they had cancellations, you got to play a bunch of games in a very short period of time. So we'll see how uh, SDSU comes through this part of the schedule, which is going to be a freaking battle. We'll get to the Raiders side of Super Bowl 56. Yeah, there's a Raiders side. Your home for every UNLV Rebel football game is ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. KWWN Las Vegas.